So Paul is describing to us how God goes about saving Israel, and he does so by electing various ones throughout the ages in order to represent him and uh, proclaim the good news to others. He doesn't simply set about uh, uh, saving a, a physical race of people, but bringing faith to various individuals. These are called the elect. But Paul, you know, is uh, anxious to be understood by his readers, and so he anticipates their complaint. And he says, so then, is there unrighteousness with God? Now, that's verse 11. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not, he says, which means, uh, which originally means God forbid. So, obviously, Paul is concerned about uh, uh, God's fairness. Is there fairness with God? Is there righteousness with God? That itself, that question, a rhetorical question, indicates to you that God is not into the into the business of uh, choosing to predestine some to salvation and to predestine others to damnation. That is a, a, a demonic doctrine, and uh, it is not what the Word of God is saying here. So many think that because uh, Paul talks about predestination or election, he's talking about electing a few and damning the rest. That would be unfair. That would be unrighteous. And Paul uh, uh, faces that issue very squarely. The whole point of election and the whole point of predestination is that the elected ones might proclaim to the world that they are that the world has been elected by God and therefore they are to receive their election and not spurn it and turn it down with contempt but Paul, oddly enough, in order to answer this question, is there um, uh, unrighteousness with God, says this. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. Well, that hardly sounds like an answer, does it? I mean, okay, well, is God uh, arbitrary? Uh, does he do uh, um, act unfairly, doing with some what he wants and not doing the same thing with others? others when he don't, doesn't want it. No, what Paul is getting at here is that Moses was saying, look, God, you can't reject these people that have sinned against you. You can't burn them up. You can't uh, destroy them, because what will the Egyptians say? And uh, he urges God to uh, to fulfill his promise and and God says to Moses, in effect, now listen here, Moses, I will do what I will do. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Don't worry about what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And you'll be okay and the world and, and uh, the Israel will be okay. God has a different way of doing things from what we have. Now, again, notice the quotation, though, in a, from another perspective, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. So Paul is equating mercy with election. God is electing people, and people say, well, um, is that fair? And uh, um, uh, uh, Paul responds with, well, of course it is, because God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. So you see, mercy is or rather, election is an act of mercy. God's kindness to us, coming to us in our darkness, in our loneliness, coming to Israel in their brokenness, in their enslavement, and having mercy on them, 
That is what the heart of God is all about. But you say, well, Colin, earlier you've missed a point because it says, God says, um, uh, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. Well, what that, what's that all about then? That doesn't sound very nice. That, that doesn't sound very merciful on God's part. Well, of course, we have to understand the language of the Bible and we have to understand how God says things, how things are said. Uh, you remember, uh, well, first of all, let me say this. If I were in Esau's shoes, I'd be quite happy and I'd be set up for life because Esau, whom God supposedly hated, um, Esau was blessed. And he said to uh, um, uh, to Jacob, when Jacob wanted to give him all of these gifts, oh, don't worry, brother, I've got all I need. I, the Lord has blessed me. Well, if that's a blessing, well, it would be nice to be hated by the Lord, wouldn't it? You see, these words have to be understood um, from the language that is spoken in those days. You remember, in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Paul says, uh, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Well, what is that? Is Jesus telling us to hate our fathers and mothers and to hate our children and our brothers and sisters? Absolutely not. Of course, Jesus is saying, love one another. So then what does this word mean? It means to love less. It's from a human point of view. Jesus is saying, if anyone comes uh, to me and does not love less his father and mother, if he loves them more than he loves me, you cannot, he cannot be my disciple, because you must love me first to follow me, to be able to follow me. And that Jesus cares very much about how we treat our parents and our uh, relatives is evident when he complains to the Pharisees about that offering they used to give to God, the offering of Corban, which is a special sacrificial gift to God. And uh, he says, you, you hypocrites, you give this gift to God and you say, oops, sorry, mom and dad, I can't give you anything because I've given it as a sacrifice to God. And he says, and thus you dishonor the law which is to love and to take care of, because uh, God, God wants us to have something to give to our parents. So, you see, you understand the words as they are uh, written and as they have meaning in the days in which poor, uh, Jesus lived. Jesus, uh, the Lord, was pointing out to Jacob when he was whining and complaining, Look, I have loved you. I have loved you above everyone else. I have loved you more than Esau. And it's not, God was speaking from a human point of view. God loved Esau perfectly, just as he loves all human beings perfectly. But uh, he has special uh, missions for various ones, and he chooses them. He elects them for doing various things. And that's what he did with Jacob. But then Paul seems to get us into deeper waters by saying the following. Well, let's read what we've just read. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, Paul says in verse 16, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. 
And once again, I pointed out, uh, I will point out what I pointed out yesterday, that this verse tells us so profoundly that salvation is God's initiative, it is God's act, that he is having um, that he is um, having mercy on whom he will, and so it is not salvation is not a result of our having a willpower to accept God and stay the course for the rest of our lives. Rather, salvation comes about because God comes down to us and he brings us faith. So then look at verse 16 again. So then it is not of him who wills, that is not of the one who has willpower enough to stay the course, nor of him who runs, that is the one whose tenacity uh, is, is fixed and he will not back off, he will keep going. It doesn't depend on all of that. It is of God who shows mercy. That's where you and I have so much hope in God. Our salvation is initiated by God. It is not initiated by human beings, by our will, by our uh, commitment. Yes, we have a will to, to, to accept Christ. Yes, uh, once we are liberated by faith, we have a will to accept him. Yes, we have a will to keep going and stay the course right to, to the end. As Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. But that endurance is given by the faith that God gives us. That's the whole point. It is God's gift to us. But then he throws us another curveball, Paul does. He says, For the Scripture says to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. Well, now, goodness gracious, this is where people get so uh, tied in a knot in regard to Romans chapter 9 and 10 and 11, and they say, there you go, you see, God hardens some people for, um, uh, for hell, and uh, he uh, softens others with mercy to save them. And so here we have the arbitrariness of God, uh, this uh, teaching uh, that... Uh, uh, the Calvinists uh, throw out to the world that God saves some, predestines some, and predestines some for hell. Well, is that the case? Let me tell you right away, it is absolutely not the case, and we know that from the end of Paul's argument. And if you don't go to the end of his argument, as I have said so very many, many times, please listen to me, then you won't get what he's going for. And the end of the argument is chapter 11. Verse 32, where he says, God has imprisoned all under sin that he might have mercy on all. Now, we'll get to that verse uh, when we finally get there. But the plan of God and the goal of God and the action of God and the will of God and what God will do is to have mercy on all. That's the ultimate. But what we are looking at here is the process what is this hardening all about? Well, we'll talk about it more next time, but let me say this. There's nothing new about this hardening. This is not a new idea. It's new words for sure. 
But people very often treat Romans 9 through 11 as if, as if it were a totally separate segment. But it isn't. It's a continuing thought. And that continuing thought started in chapter 1, verse 18, where Paul said that God's wrath is, has risen against the world, and his wrath is motivated by love, remember, because men suppress the truth. And so what does God do? He hands them over to what they choose instead of him and says, the only way I can get to you is to give you what you want so that you can see how it ruins you. And that is what hardening is all about. It is to give people what they want so that they see that what they finally have is trash and dust. And so, God's way of getting to people differs with different people. Some he, he is ready to give mercy to because they have been uh, prepared for it by coming to an end of themselves. Others are not yet at an end of themselves and must be hardened further until they are ready. But you are ready. So receive the mercy and give thanks to God for it and realize in it that you are an emissary, an ambassador to God to let others know that they too have been elected. Thanks for joining me today. Colin Cook here. You've been listening to How It Happens, a broadcast on the good news of the gospel. Um, this, we go through the Book of Romans every year and a half or so. And so if you want to join me, please do so. You can listen any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download soundcloud.com or podbean.com or Spotify or listen on, the, uh, on air on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLT. AM 670 in the Denver and surrounding states areas. And if you would please help with a donation, thank you. Send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado 80160, or you can make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much, then. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.